Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Command Space. I'm your host, Mike Hurley, and I am joined today. Um, Your co-host for this episode is Mr. David Sparks. Hello, sir. How are you? Mike, thanks for having me on your new show. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm pleased that we've got you back. I'm totally playing hooky, too. I hope I don't get fired for this, right? You know, wow. I just said, okay, I have uh, something to take care of, and I'm going to work at home the rest of the day. But so usually I, I either podcast on on the weekend or in the weeknights, which is kind of weird because at night I get kind of loopy. And now you've got me like at lunchtime. So we'll see how this goes. It could be bad. Do you want to give me some legal advice after we finish so you can like yes, book this somehow? I will. Sue them. Yeah, okay, great. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll get right on that. And uh, did I not tell you that I have, I have a patent for podcasting? I'm sorry about that, by the way. You, oh, you're you're going out of business, so I'm sorry. All right, well, whatever. It's it okay. happens. These things happen. So uh, you, how are you, sir? You, you're good? I'm great. Busy as always? Yeah, having fun. I still stand by the fact that I actually think you are the busiest man on the internet. Like, I, I honestly don't think there are any person on the internet as busy as David Sparks. You know, people say that about me, and I, I think it's a, it's a big scam, honestly. I've got everybody snowed. Well, I'm going to put that to the test. So, <laughs> the first thing that I want, I want you to do today on this episode is to give give me and our listeners a rough rundown of not just the places we can find you online. I'm not letting you get away with that. I want to know the projects you're currently working on. Well, the the biggest project I'm working on is raising two girls. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's job number one for me. I've got these two girls. They're 15 and 10, and they're both already smarter than me. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to keep it together. That's that's the biggest project in my life, I'd have to say. Then I've got the day job. I'm a lawyer, and I have all kinds of stuff going on with that. But to be honest, you know, that's one of the things why I get away with this stuff is um, I made a choice early in life that I didn't want my gravestone to say, here lies a really good lawyer. And I do think I'm a really good lawyer, but that's I didn't want that to define me. So I, I t- purposely turned down the job for the big firm that pays the really big bucks but expects you to work. 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just never been part of my, you know, my psychology. I just couldn't do it. There's no way I could. So people hear that he's a lawyer and he does this other stuff. Well, I'm a lawyer, but I'm a lawyer that works at a job where really I do get by working five days a week. And then when I'm in trial, obviously, then I work weekends. But generally, I have my weekends to myself. So, so that's the first lie. You know, that, you know, people think I'm working like this job where I work massive hours and do this stuff. And I don't. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm not playing hooky. I can take time off when I want to. And here I am talking to you today as, a, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in the Max Sparky world, it's a, it's a very interesting, you know, trail I've been down. When I started this, I told myself, okay, I'll spend 15 minutes a day doing a little geeky blog. And I don't think anybody in the world will ever read it, but it makes me happy. So I'll do it anyway. And that was really what I was thinking when I started doing it. And I was thinking maybe my mom will read it, you know? <laughs> and, um, of course, I knew that she didn't have an internet connection, so she will never read it. Uh, but, but then it just kind of grew from there. And so what am I doing now? Let me think. I'm doing a podcast that I love with uh, Katie Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, That's Mac I've Power got, Users, what? right? Mac- yeah, Mac Power Users. 
Um, I'm contributing to what I think is the premier uh, Mac magazine, uh, Macworld. You know, I've got another article assignment from them I'm starting on now. And I, I just think I'm so privileged to be part of what, that publication. I just think everybody there is so smart. Um, I've got, it seems like I've got kind of a little screencast business that's been kind of growing on the side. Where I've been doing screencasts for some of my favorite software products. Sometimes they're for pay. A lot of times they're just because it's something I love. And I'm doing more of those at MaxSparky.com. I don't know if you've, did you see the one I did for like PDF pin for uh, iPad? That was like, that one got kind of big. It went to like 40 minutes, I think, 49 minutes. I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit of screencasting, which I really like. And it's, it's weird because my screencasting technique is not very polished. I mean, I look at someone like Don McAllister, who does just amazing, clean screencasts. And mine are a little more messy, but it's just kind of me. And I think people like that. So I'm doing those now. And, well, uh, and then... The, so I, don't, I don't think anybody can compete with, with what Don does. I don't think you should, you know... Hold that as uh, a, I'm not as good as Don. Nobody is. So yeah, that's true. That's true. And he has a Liverpool accent. And yeah, you uh, can't beat that. You know, everybody in America is like, oh, then it must be true if Don says it. You're also <laughs> you know? you're doing some stuff with Don for his magazine, aren't you? Oh yeah. Well, he uh, you know, he's um, Don is a smart guy. So he's got the Screencast Online website, and he's got the apps, which apparently are getting back in the App Store, which is great. Yeah. And and then he's now putting that content into a magazine. And uh, when he said, hey, can I use some stuff from your website? And I'm like, absolutely. In fact, I want to give him some original content because I, I like to be a part of anything Don does. And uh, I've known him for, you know, it's it's hard to believe, but I've known him for years now. And, and he's one of those people that I meet every year at Macworld. And there's just, just the nicest guy. You know? yeah, he's a great guy. Um, huh? He's a regular on, well, on the previous show and... And if, I think if I haven't, I need to book him. I need to book you know, Don McAllister. I think, you know, getting back to why am I busy, I think one of the reasons I'm busy doing this Mac stuff is because Don is is not atypical. Most of the people I meet in relation to Max Parkey are super people. And I firmly believe the more time you spend with people like that, the better your own life is. And so... When I do these projects projects with people relating to Max Sparky, almost universally they're with people who I really enjoy being with and people who I think make me a better person. So there's a lot of motivation for me to keep doing this stuff. So I'm doing some screencasting, though. And then the thing I'm really passionate about right now in terms of Max Sparky, though, is this this Max Sparky Field Guide brand that you know has been kind of emerging so I'm I'm very happy with with the success of Paperless, which uh, you were kind enough to have me on the old Bro Show about. Yep. And there's more of that stuff in the pipeline, and that stuff takes a lot of work. So it's it's I don't like to talk too much about it until I've got something out there. But uh, I have big plans. We're excited. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for the next book. <laughs> I just want you well, to be it, aware. Of it, that. I, I feel like. Um, if there was a geeky version of Kit Carson, I feel like I'm that. You know, the um, this whole idea of an interactive book is pretty new, and the iBooks author, you know, breed of interactive book is really new. And th- there's really no no guidance. I mean, I you don't know what to charge for these things. You don't know what to do with uh, 
you, you don't know what to do in terms of the amount of content. I mean, how big can the file size get before people get frustrated? So all this stuff I'm just learning. And, and even the type of content, like Paperless is, um, is a really great book, in my opinion. And the next book is going to take a little different path. And it's going to be interesting to see what people think of that. But, you know, I've got ideas, and I'm very anxious to share them with everybody. And, and pretty soon, some of the stuff is going to be seeing the light of day. And, and I'm working with co-authors now because of some people I really respect in the community I wanted to include with this stuff. So it's it's very exciting. That's a good um I think that's a good idea. Don't do it all yourself. And plus you can, like, let's say, for example, you wanted to, let's say you wanted to do a book on screencasts, right? You might want to get Don involved in something like that because you are good at them, but you're, you know, as you say, you're not necessarily the expert. So you should try and get the experts involved and both of you sort of collaborate on it. I think that's a good idea. Like, yeah, because then you're making, it's not just David Sparks's books then. You know, they're, it's a brand of its own. Well, you know, it's the Max Berkey Field Guide. It doesn't mean it has to be just by me. Exactly. And, like and the, while there are, you know, there's a schedule. Yeah. And there are some of those titles that are definitely going to be mine only. There's one right now I'm kind of in up to my knees on, not to my neck. That's definitely going to be mine only. There's another one that's not. And it's absolutely done with somebody else. And I think it's going to be really cool. So I'm looking forward to it. How, just out of interest, numbers-wise, how many of the field guides are currently in development or in active development? How many? <laughs> well, I can tell you. Uh, let me see. I keep using Pixar as my analogy, right? Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, I have this in my mind. I love. I'm a big fan of Pixar and, yeah. and the way they make movies. So, I, in my mind, these books need to be like Pixar movies. They need to have great technology, but tell a good story. So I, I, if I equate each book to a movie, I've got one that's in post-production and nearly ready for human eyes. I've got one that's in the middle of shooting, and I've got another one in pre-production. So that's three. And then I've got another four ideas behind Well, I've got a list of probably 20 ideas, but I've got another four behind it that I'm looking at really seriously down the road. So um, I plan to you know, really do something with this. Yeah, Once again, no it, it might just be for my mom to read or somebody else to read. My mom's not with us anymore, but, but I'm going to do them anyway. I've got to get it out of my system. That you are effectively trying to run a small publishing house over there now. I didn't know you had that many. Like, like of actual projects, nearly well, at least underway or, or hoping to be soon. Like, that's like eight books. Wow. Well, some of them are just a, an entry in. Envy Alter, OmniFocus, just one word, you know. But some of them are a pretty big project at this point in multiple gigabytes. So it depends. Crazy. So It is crazy. But, you know, I'm really enjoying it, Mike. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I, I love it. And I love hearing from people. I mean, I get emails routinely from all over the world from people saying, oh, this really, you know, like the paperless one. There's people who are telling me how it's it's helping them and it's it's letting them get their work done sooner or it's you know it's it's helping them you know have this conversation with their spouse about how to become more you know efficient about this stuff and that stuff just it just you know lights my fire it makes me want to do more sometimes that's all you need like as an excuse to your own brain to want to do more right you know, just to think, oh, actually, this is helping other people as much as I enjoy doing it. So I'm just going to keep going, keep going. Yeah, it, I guess that's part of it. I, I just I really enjoy the process. I like 
I feel like I'm unrestrained. You know, when I, I, I did work for a big publisher and I, they were very nice to me. I have nothing but good things to say about them, but you know, but this is something that is completely within my control. You know, I can say badass wielder of technology or some of the other crazy stuff I, I wrote in that book. You know, I think at one point I equated my, you know, paperless workflow to Mr. Miyagi beating down villains, you know, and yeah. you can do that. And you can't do stuff like that when you're going the traditional route. So I, I just love it. I, I think my voice comes out better that way. It's just when you have a boss, right? That's the difference, I think. When yeah. you when you have a boss or when you're not the person calling the shots, you have to, therefore you have to answer to someone. But if you are the boss in the situation, then whatever you say goes. It's and liberating. It definitely is. So looking at these as all of your projects, right? Um, yeah. our our co co friend, which is a weird way of saying things. I don't know why I said co friend, uh, Mr. Brett Kelly, he asked me to ask you, how do you rock so hard? <laughs> um, I kind of equated that as to how do you manage to produce so much and continue to work a full-time job? Like how do you actually, do you manage your life easily or is it difficult for you to try and keep all these things on the burner? I mean, I'll tell you, I don't, this sounds like, you know, 10,000 tiny violins, but it's really hard. Yeah. It's just really hard. And, one of the things I have to do is make really hard decisions. And, you know, my, you know, Merlin Mann, who really helped you get the show going again, the mm -hmm. new Command Space show. You did. It, I'd like to call him a friend. We talked on the phone routinely. And, and he always is talking to me about this. I think he's the one who really got me to overcome a barrier that I have always had. And that's saying no. I mean, for, I guess, the first 40 years of my life, I could probably count on the, my one hand the number of times I had said no to something, a big question, you know, it, to me, it was always like, if somebody's asking me to do something, it's like, wow, they must think I'm great. They want me to do something. So I'll do it. And I'd say yes to everything. And it took me a while to figure out that what I was doing was saying by saying yes to everything, I'm really, you know, saying no to the stuff that's really important, you know, there's only so much time in the day and I've been really, I think I've really gone through a transformation the last four or five years as I've embraced the no. In fact, I did a post on it at some point at Max Spark. You'll have to look it up and send you the link. But I think that you really have to become passionate about a few things and then it becomes a lot easier to say no about a lot of other things. So, you know, like I have no idea what's on TV and I, there's a lot of things I'm not up on. I don't really watch many movies, I, you know, but this stuff to me is more important. I love doing this stuff and it's so good to me that, you know, I can, I can cut things out. You know, uh, the, the thing I, one of the things I worry about is my kids. It's like, am I spending so much time doing this stuff that I'm cheating them? And I certainly don't want to do that. And, um, the more I think about it, I don't think I really am. I think I'm with them enough. I'm not with them every moment, but I'm with them for the big things. And, we have time to talk and take walks and do things and have daddy dates. Um, especially like my 15 year old now she's there's, she needs space in, in some regard. Um, what I've done is I don't play video games anymore. I don't really, you know, there's the, the things that I've cut out of my life are things that I'm totally willing to give up for this cause. So it seems to be working, but I constantly struggle with it. 
And, you know, I, I woke up today and I had like 200 items in OmniFocus because I had pushed a whole bunch of start dates off to today. And it's like, so I, I literally woke up and said, okay, so who am I going to disappoint today? Because there's no way on earth I'm going to get, you know, two contracts written, you know, fix a motion, you know, record with Mike, uh, get a post up in Mac Sparky, prepare for a Mac Power Users show. There was more stuff to do today than I had time. And I had to stop and just kind of look at it realistically and, you know, send out some emails to people saying I'm going to need to push something back or whatever. And, and you know, who likes that? I mean, wouldn't it be easier if you woke up every day and you had a nice short list and you just felt the sense of accomplishment of drilling it down every day? I, I don't get that. You know, a lot of yeah. times I have to disappoint people or myself. You know, I, I just have to figure it out as I go through it every day, and it's a constant struggle. It's like I'm, I'm always talking about wanting to do a new podcast about X, right? And yeah. I, I just say it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I really want to do it. And people are like, just do it. And like, I will do it if you give me another two hours in a day. You know, like yeah. it's, and that's the idea is sometimes you, you really want to do something, but you physically can't do it. Or, or yes, I could do it, but it means that I would be sacrificing the really important, like real world relationship time that I maintain. You know, I'll, yeah, or 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 something else you're working on. Like you could say, well, I could do that, but are you willing to produce fewer command space shows to do that? Well, no. I mean, you have to make that decision. Exactly, and and that's and, and I, I'm kind of pleased in a way to hear that that's that it's kind of this the way that you manage things is just by cultivating what you do, I guess, and and making sure that you make sure you say no. Yeah, I keep a so I keep a list in in Vialt of the things that I've said no to, and you know that that helps me, frankly, because then I start looking at that, and, and then I also keep a list of the things I say yes to. I'll send you this link. It's it's really you know I've, or, I've already got weird. it. It's in, it's in our show notes already. The no journal yeah, is the post, right? Yeah, it's really weird. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a weirdo in so many ways, but you know, it's like I I speak every year at the American Bar Association, and they asked me to be on their um they have for their, their tech show, they have like a, a planning board, which is a huge, you know, privilege and a great organization for lawyers. I mean, someone give their right one, you know, to be on this board and put that on their resume or whatever. And I, I had to tell them no, because it's just, I don't have the time, you know, and, and the, you know, saying no to great things means that you're on the right track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can say no to things that you don't want to say no to, that means that you've got even better stuff going on. Yeah. Which is cool. So, in re- like, with all of this in mind, I have some sort of some questions that I want to ask you, which are going to become uh, some standard questions. Like, over the, over the course of this show's history, over the last sort of the previous six episodes, more than half of them have featured people that had their own membership schemes or they they gave away for people to support them financially like we had sean blanc on and we talk, spoke about that a lot we had ben brooks on we spoke about that with him too and and i feel that that's will i think even into the future become a theme of the show like memberships and sort of um having the public or your fans or readers listeners support the work that you do but something else that i want to discuss is the is ideas with people sort of 
um, where their ideas come from and how they're captured and stuff like that. And I want to, if you are happy to, I want to sort of premiere these questions with you today. All right, bring it. So where do your ideas come from? I wish I knew. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I have, I think they, you know, good ideas come from prior ideas and successes. I mean, I've always felt like, I guess taking the Max Sparky piece of my life, you know, it definitely went through a progression of toeholds. You know, it started out um, where I was doing some interviews for my friend Tim Verporten, who had a show called the Mac Review Cast. And I would review software and, and cinema recording, and he would put it on his podcast. And then I got thinking, well, I should have a website so I can put this information on there for people and so I built Max Sparky, and then I had a lot of fun with that. And that kind of progressed into talking with the bar and talking with some other people. So some speaking gigs came out of that. And from there, it turned into a Macworld speaking gig. And from there, Katie and I formed the podcast and all this stuff. And then, you know, then from there, I went to do some books. And then I went to write for Macworld. All this stuff just kind of grows out of itself. Yeah. And it wasn't a plan. I just follow things that I'm passionate about, and it seems like it's been working out okay for me. Um, the ideas for the books, for instance, are things that get me excited and things where I feel like I have a voice or something to share that could make it easier for people. Mm-hmm. That's how I decide what the next book is going to be. Is you know, where, Where's an area where people need help, and I have the, the ability to help them? Um, none of it's really about money to me. I mean, I, I am starting to make some money off all this stuff. But I don't know how many hours I've put into all of it. I don't even want to think about that. Hmm. And I'm fortunate because I have a day job and I'm able to to grow this thing in addition to, you know, my other job. Yeah. It kind of appears to me, as you say, that your ideas kind of come from each other. Um, and it's for you, like it seems like it's a process where your your previous work informs your next projects. I think that's fair. I mean, but there are things I do that are completely off the rails. Yeah. You know, I mean, going over to do the books, I mean, the book, the paperless book is self-published. Um, it's You're not going to find it in, you know, hard copy in Barnes & Noble or Amazon or wherever you go buy hard copy books. It really was not, it was it was a big change for me. You know, I could have continued writing books for big publishers, but I decided that I wanted to do this on my own. And that really was a course, you know, change. But that was also informed by my experiences in the past, too. So I guess you're right. I, I don't think there's really anything I do that's not arising out of where I've been. I think it would have been really peculiar to make a hard copy book out of paperless. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? It would have been a horrible irony, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. How many Practice trees die after this book with yeah. the tree on the cover? Um, <laughs> I had um, I had some people write me and ask me if I could, you know, do a limited printing of it, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> it just seems counterintuitive to what you're talking about. And also because the book is so much about the content, the interactive images yeah. and the screencasts, it's you're really getting a, a crippled book without that stuff. And, you know, I know that you've mentioned um, in, in a few places that you've got an update to Paperless coming. Um, 
and that's one of the great things about this as well is that the book is not a static thing you can continue to add to it and and it can grow again like like how your ideas do but it can continue to grow um, and evolve and change over time which is i think really valuable oh yeah that, that makes me crazy when i go in like amazon and or um, barnes and noble which is a big bookseller in the u.s and i'll see ipad at work and i open it and there's a couple sections in there that are no longer right you know i wrote that book a year ago so you know this this stuff is all in motion I mean, you and that makes me nuts it. you can update it but you can't physically take the new chapters to each person that bought the book yeah so uh paperless on the other hand over the weekend i just uploaded to apple version 1.2 and it's got whole new sections i mean one of the feedback i got from readers was hey this is all great we love the mac but we're using a pc at work can you give us some advice about pc software to do some of these same tricks i added a section and you know uh, when in when i wrote the book text expander would not allow you to name a file with a fill-in form because of the way text expander was written well since then version four came out and now you can so that got cut out of the book and a screencast got re-recorded showing you how to do that and, you know, I added additional screencasts that answered questions that I was getting repeated from listeners. I, I fixed a few typos. Oops. And um, it's going to be great. I mean, as soon as it gets approved by Apple, I can announce it, you know, formally on the website. And then if you've got it on your iPad, you can just delete it and re-download it. And you've got a brand new version. Well, I, you know, I hesitate to say brand new version. A lot of the content's the same, but it's an updated version. So it doesn't auto-update. No, that's a shame. For books, it? yeah, for books, it it's not like a delta. You have to yeah. delete it and re-download. It. And frankly, one of the reasons why I, everybody listening just hold your horses. I want to test it before I tell everybody how exactly <laughs> to do this. Yeah, but as as I understand it, I think I have the pieces in place to to do it for people who bought the PDF and who bought the iBook, and it's great. So I, I'm looking forward to announcing that and. Again, this is something that I'm not sure I've seen. I haven't seen anybody else do it. I mean, maybe somebody else has, and I'm just not aware of it. But, you know, write a tech book. Usually it has a certain shelf life. And doing this, I can update the book again next year. So I can keep this book more or less current for my, for my, my customers. Which is excellent. Yeah. And I haven't figured it all out yet, Mike. I think at some point I'll release a second edition, and then you'll have to pay for that again. But... For a while, at least, I'm going to update the thing and let people continue to have current information. Yeah, I think because it's a book, I think you shouldn't lose that second editionness of it. Like, you know, it gets to a certain point where you should charge again um, because there's a lot of time and, and effort goes into that. Well, either way, I, I think it's awesome that you can, you know, with this new model that a reader can say, okay, well, just let me get the new version to find out what's changed. And there's a change log in it too. So you can see it's, it's a lot like writing software. It's, it's really yeah. strange, you know, it is strange. <laughs> it's almost like you need beta testers and it's, version, it's, it's fun though. I have inversion numbers for books. It's so peculiar. Yeah, I know. Version 1.2. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so when you have these ideas, how do you capture them? What do you use? Do you use analog? Do you use digital? How are you capturing your ideas? Yeah, I mean, OmniFocus for me is is key to the whole system. And everything gets in the OmniFocus inbox, but there's a number of ways that it gets there. I do use a, a Field Notes um, little pocketbook that I keep in my pocket almost all the time. Mm-hmm. 
And I just use a pencil with that, and I write down things. Then usually within a day or two, I go through those pages, and anything in there, I handle. And maybe just say, you know, call, you know, call Kim, and I'll call Kim. Or I may say, here's an idea for a new book. Then I'll put that into OmniFocus, and then I scratch out the page. It feels very satisfying to just scratch out that page. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people use these field notes, and they treat them like archival books. And I, I'm, I'm terrible. I thrash them. I, they get all wrinkled up. I tear pages out and write phone numbers on them and give them to people. And, and when I'm done with it, it's just used up. I just, you know, I just throw it away. And so I, I go through those. Uh, I also use, uh, I like, I really like the Siri integration with OmniFocus. Uh, so I've got that set up now. And in fact, I did a screencast on that for Omni, where you can. I'm not sure. Were you aware of this? That if you dictate to the Reminders app on the iPhone, that Siri, that uh, OmniFocus can see that and import it to the inbox. Yeah, um, I am aware of it. You would shudder to hear my systems. Um, yeah, I'm terrified to talk to you about how you know I don't use any task manager. Yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, whatever works, right? It yeah. seems like it's working for you. Uh, but so what I do is you, you can have a list, and the way I've got it set up in phone, I don't know if you want to hear this much inside baseball, but on the phone, I have OmniFocus looking at the reminders list and the reminders app because you can have different lists. I like I've got a list for the Apple Store, you know, and then, but so if you're driving down the road and you suddenly have the, you know, think of the perpetual motion machine, the formula, you can say, hit Siri and you can say, you know, add perpetual motion machine to my reminders list. And Siri's smart enough to, to parse that and put in the reminders list in the reminders app, perpetual motion machine. And then the next time you open OmniFocus on your phone, it goes and grabs everything in that list and puts it in your inbox. So uh, the net result is I've got stuff going to my OmniFocus inbox from my voice while I'm on the road. And I use that a ton. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I remember this did the rounds when uh, when it when it was announced. I've got the blog post from Omni in the show notes too. Yeah, well, I don't know how many people stuck with it because Siri was a little weird at the beginning, but in my experience, at least, it's got much better. But this thing is, I use this thing all the time, and and then I also plan. I set up tasks to plan projects, mm-hmm. so like I just just got a new writing assignment from Macworld and I know what the subject is and I haven't outlined or, you know, mind mapped or done anything on it. I just have one task that says set up article project. And so I'll, I'll dedicate time to sit down and say, well, what do I need to do to make this, you know, get this one to the goal line and then I'll start planning it out and on me focus. So that's, that's how I capture this stuff. I mean, it, there's, there's really no rocket science to it. The hard part isn't capturing it. The hard part is looking at the list of things you put in there and, and like I said earlier, deciding which one of them you're going to do. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I, I'm guilty of this too. I still have stuff in there that's been trailing for a year, which, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I'd admit that they're never going to happen. And I still haven't had, you know, the guts or whatever to just delete them. So <laughs> we're all, you know, we all have this trouble. So, I also had uh, someone ask a, a question on Twitter quite quite similar to this. Uh, this is from Devere Kahan on Twitter. He asks, where do you capture the start of an article when you're 
when you only have your iPhone with you, if you if yeah. that ever comes into your head, is that OmniFocus too? Uh, no, it's not. If if I'm going to start writing, uh, I'll either open a ByWord file, or I will use an app, and I'm going to get killed for not remembering the name. Hold on one second. Okay. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> Drafts, drafts. How come I forgot the name of drafts? Okay, so yeah, drafts is in my dock. I I really wow. am digging this app. Yeah, no, they're great. And um, so I I love doing that as I'm like I I've been trying to you know you know not digress into a, a middle aged pear shaped you know lawyer. So I've been walking a lot and doing more exercise. And man, just you know. Strapping on even just the the cheesy iPhone white headphone earbuds, and just fire up drafts and just start talking while I'm taking these walks, and I get a ton of correspondence written, and I can also start writing an article or or whatever. And now they've got a version for the iPad, which is pretty nice. Yes, yeah, so one of the I can I can imagine drafts being a good app for you actually because you can just put anything in there and then filter it out to the different places later yeah. on. And I use it all with Siri, the Siri dictation. Huh. Dictation is a big deal to me. Yeah. I mean, that, that really is, is key. Um, I'm certainly not as talented at Merlin at extemporaneous speaking, but at the same time, I've been dictating my whole career, so I've got some skills in that regard. And there's no way you can keep up with talking you know, in terms of, of creating rough content. I mean, I love it on my iPhone. I love it on my iPad. I mean, sometimes I get all this email. Did you see that post that Sean Blanc did about E.B. White and um, how you know his enemy was the morning mail? No, I, I'm not familiar with that. I was, yeah, so E.B. White, you know, he's the guy who wrote Charlotte's Web. And, and some kid – I talked about this on another podcast. So I apologize if you've heard this already. But – some kid wrote in and he asked about if he's going to write another book and he wrote back and, you know, I guess it sounds like he politely said, no, he's too busy. And then a librarian wrote complaining and he wrote a very, what I thought thoughtful response to her saying how, you know, basically he had become a victim of his own success and the success of Charlotte's web and the fact that every librarian in the country was telling every kid in the country to write him a letter meant he would never write another book. Wow. You know, and, and I think that became true, that he never did really publish another book. And that's always, a, you know, that's always something to worry about. And I'm struggling with that right now. Email for me has been a subject of much focus the last six months about how do I deal with it. And I guess email is just one piece of it. You know, but there's a lot of people that are asking for my time. And, and I think all of them are very interesting people. And a lot of them I'd like to spend a lot of time with. But if I did that... There would never be another post at Max Sparky. There'd never be a Mac Field Guide. There'd never be another Mac Power Users episode. You know, so it's a tough call. You know, so I've been dealing with that. How did I get to this point, Mike? What were we talking about? Uh, how you capture? <laughs> well, at first it was how you capture article ideas, but I think we covered yeah. that. And then we started talking about dictation. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm digressing. But anyway, dictation to me is one of many weapons in my arsenal that I'm using to try and, and deal with this. So I can respond to more people just sitting there talking. Last night I went through probably 100 emails in about 40 minutes, and it was all because of Siri. Is that on the Mac or was that on the on iPad? The, 
on the iPad. On the iPad. I don't think I've ever met anybody as um, happy with the built-in dictation as you. Uh, well, I guess I wouldn't say that I'm... Okay, let me back up. <laughs> at least happy to use I, it. I'm ha- yeah, I'm happy to use it. I'm used to dictation software. I understand the language you need to speak. You don't speak like you do like we're speaking right now. Mm-mm. There's a different method of speaking. There's some different tricks you use. And this is just fine. If you're going to write a very long thing, you'd need something like Dragon Dictate on the Mac where you can go. But for writing two or three sentences, like you know, multiple email responses, it's just fine. And it's pretty good technology. It works pretty good. So long as you, you know, use those tricks. I hope that, you know, I would love to see it next week, but Apple just incorporating some very basic offline um, dictation tools into the iOS. Yeah, and I, I don't think that. you're going to see that. No, I think <laughs> it will too. happen because Google has managed to do it. So, Yeah, um, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen at least now. I mean, I can think of a lot of reasons why. I mean, it, it's very processor intensive. Um, I th- I I don't think anybody's ever confirmed it, but it seems kind of like the secret that everybody knows that the back end for all the Apple dictation is is Nuance, mm-hmm. which is the company that makes Dragon dictate. And I would imagine licensing wise, they wouldn't want to give a you know give away the whole cow, you know. Uh, and and give Apple all that underlying technology to embed in the operating system where they'd be out of business on a lot of the other stuff they do. And it would seem to me that also, this is all just me speaking, I, I don't know anything really, but it would also seem to me that Nuance is getting a real big benefit of having all our dictation go through their server oh, because yeah. it's a ton of great data for them to make their engine better. It still surprises me that Apple haven't just bought them. Yeah. Although if you look at Nuance, because I thought about that once too, I I actually wrote a post on it and then deleted it because I thought it was just too wacky for for what I do. Um, But it looks to me like Nuance has got a lot of stuff they do that's not part of this. And, you know, does Apple really want to expand into all these other areas out of their focus when they've probably got a pretty good deal to just have the technology anyway? Yeah. Well, they would just buy it and shut everything else down. Yeah, that's true. Maybe (laughs) they'll do that. I don't know. Who knows? It's interesting, Apple, like this is a slight aside, they're doing a lot more deals now. Like, um, I wonder if this is Tim Cook, really. Like, um, the maps in iOS 6 are provided by TomTom. Like, the, the act- well, not the maps, but the data. So, like, the, the street data is provided by TomTom. Yeah. Just little things like that. It just seems very different for them. I don't know. I would think that Apple is going to make deals until they have something in place to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they had deals with Google for maps for years until they had their own map companies purchased. And I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume there's a lot of places you could get that data and they're just going to, they've, they've got a spreadsheet somewhere that's going to tell them when it doesn't make sense for them to uh, license it anymore. Yeah. Tom, Tom were lucky to get that deal. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the, the TomTom app has, you know, the sales of that will just go through the floor now. Yeah, it will. They were very lucky. They probably bit Apple's hand off to take that. Yeah. So um, a couple more quick questions about ideas before we move on. Um, sure. How do you arrange or prioritize your ideas? Like, So let's say you have a great idea today um, that is your favorite idea. 
and you want to 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 get that done quick you want to start work on it soon how would you make a choice or do you make choices to 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 reorder your priorities if you if something pops into your head yeah the generally there aren't many ideas that come to me that require me to reshuffle the deck for that particular day um i mean i to some extent uh I think I don't know if it was Stephen Covey or David Allen or somebody had had made the analogy of cranking widgets that you get your ideas and you know you get your plan in the in order and then you start cranking widgets all day. I think it was David Allen, and I really that really makes a lot of sense to me. So you know that morning sort and idea you know like today it was pretty brutal. I had to get rid of a lot of stuff, but then I've got a list that's manageable and I look at the rest of the day. My job is to crank through and make those widgets. And part of that may be to write a chapter for an existing book, or part of it, you know, may be um, a very light day because I'm going to go to the park and play, you know, kites with my kids. So it just, you know, once but once the day is in motion, it's very unlikely for me to stop everything, uh, you know, because like my Mac stuff isn't like a new cycle kind of website or podcast. I mean, we don't even talk about current events. So as that stuff happens, it's fun to see what's going on, but you're not going to see me drop everything and write an article about Samsung or something like that. So uh, in my day life, my day job, um, I do a lot of litigation and I do a lot of trade secret law. And in that case, once in a while, we do have kind of like the fire drill where suddenly you know you have a special notice where you have to be in front of the judge the next day or a client calls and says, you know, an, you know, an employee just left with all of my customers, you know, and in that case, it really is um, a fire drill. So in that case, what I'll do is I'll go in OmniFocus. And if there's anything in there that's going to become due today, I look at it very closely. And if it's something that I can at all get rid of, I won't. I, I will. And if it's something that, no, truly this is due. Because, I mean, at any one day, I've got like maybe at most five items that are due. I mean, today I had one item that was due. So I'll deal with that really quickly. Or I'll hand it off to somebody else to deal with. And then I'll just select every other task for the day and shift command I and OmniFocus opens the little, you know, pane and you just say one D in the start date. And then all that stuff just got shifted to tomorrow. And then then I have one thing to deal with, my fire. Okay. Is that is that what you were looking for? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, in terms of creative projects. I don't come up with an idea for a new book and just say, stop everything. I'm going to start writing it right now. It's just my brain doesn't work that way. And I'm not smart enough to just sit down and start writing. There's a whole bunch of planning and mind mapping. And, you know, I've got all these weird things I do just, just to get myself going on this stuff. How do you decide um, what to kill? I mean, so you've had this new I- this new idea, but as is the idea of saying no to things, that would retroactively mean that sometimes you might have to drop something that you were previously doing. How do you make those decisions? Is Do you have an hard, a hard and fast rule, or do you just, like, look at what you're enjoying the least? Like, how does that work for you? Um, I think I feel in my guts. I, I look at the list, you know, like that post that you're going to have in the list. I, I have a list of things that are important that I've said yes to as well. And... You know, I look at that list and I say, is, there, is this new idea so great that one of those can die? And if it is, then maybe I will. I mean, an example is MaxBarkey.com. When I first started that site, 
I think it was 2007. I should know, right? But I don't. Uh, but it, it, for a long time, it, it was much more of the model of, you know, these bloggers who put multiple posts up a day and follow current events. And, you know, for a while, I was definitely kind of playing that game. And at some point, and I'm not even sure when, I stopped. I think it was kind of in the middle of writing those first two books. And I have no desire to do that anymore. So Max Sparky has become a much, you know, there's many fewer posts on the site. And obviously, at some point, things came along where I said, do I want to keep making my website one where I've got to post up every, you know, two hours? Or do I want to do some of these other interesting things? And in my case, it was real palpable. I, I wanted to make these books and make these these things I'm doing like paperless. And I wanted to do that so much that I was willing to give up making Max Sparky something that had so many more posts. And, and frankly, that, you know, that reduces the amount of traffic and what do I care? Right. So, so I made that decision and that's just, I guess, one example of how I deal with this stuff, but there, there's no science I put behind it. There's no formula I can plug in. I just have to look at it and I think I have to go back and keep looking at it. And it's really hard. There you go. No, it's it's good. I mean, I've I can totally sympathise with that. Um, if well, I, I think want... everybody can, you yeah. Know? I mean, it's yeah. so hard that I think for some people it's crippling. It's so hard that they say, you know what, I'm just going to go watch American Idol then deal with this, mm-hmm. which and is a method. <laughs> it's the right yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame because there's so many really bright people out there watching American Idol instead of creating stuff. I mean, we live in a world right now where. It's almost unlimited. I mean, can you imagine that some, you know, weirdo lawyer in Southern California can write a book that a guy in Africa, you know, changes his whole company? I mean, can you imagine that? Like five it years is, ago? It's crazy. I mean, it's kind of still crazy now that that yeah. can happen. And so, I mean, it's, it's, but it's awesome. And I, I just love it. I mean, it's, it's just amazing that this stuff is going on right now. We're in a, we're, if you create content um, and it's consumed, even if you have any audience, I think it's a very privileged thing. I I feel so lucky that I'm I'm in this world at this moment. Well, you create what you know. I mean, you you create and people love it. I mean, I think in a way we're all kind of lucky that you are here too. <laughs> well, I, I, it's fun. I think all this stuff is great. So I have a few other things that I want to talk through with you before we finish. Um, you'll need to let me know if you need to run away and do any work. No, I'm good. I'm good, man. Um, but I want to I want to talk about our, our sponsor for this week, and and I forgot to mention to uh, forgot to mention to you, David, that we're sponsored by Squarespace this week. Um, but you know, I would if you wanted to talk with me about Squarespace at all, I would happily do that. Otherwise, I can talk about what I have pre-prepared because I know you run Max Barkey on Squarespace. Yeah, I've been using it for at least two years. I've I've lost track of how long. I, I got you know, I was dealing with WordPress and you know, a friend of mine, their WordPress site got hacked and they didn't even know it. And it caused all kinds of grief. And I got thinking, you know, I wouldn't know it either. I mean, one of the things I have said no to is getting really good at web uh you know, coding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about it, just enough to be dangerous. So if something was going on with my website and I didn't know it, that would be horrifying. So I said, you know, I looked at all the options and I like Squarespace. So I joined them 
Uh, they've never sponsored our shows or anything. I just think they're a good service, and and the Squarespace Six is is really great. Yeah, I mean, MaxBarkey.com is running at Squarespace. It looks excellent, and you can compare that to say my site, which is at MikeHurley.net, um, which is also running on Squarespace Six, and they look totally different. Um, just because you're using a system like Squarespace, where they provide you with albeit very beautiful templates. It doesn't mean that they have to look alike. It doesn't mean that you have to look at Max Barkey and know that it's a Squarespace site. And that's because not only do they create these beautiful, responsive web design templates, you have the ability to make changes to them. You can customize your site as much as you need to make it look exactly the way that you want. Um, You can customize fonts, you can customize backgrounds, colors. You can even customize the way that the content is laid out on the page using Squarespace's fantastic layout builder. They have social media connectivity. I see that on uh, Max Barkey, David has a little Twitter bird and a video, uh, Vimeo icon, and that they're built in now, so you can add these social media buttons, or you can Im- you can even embed um, like just your your most recent tweets or your most fo- most recent photos on Instagram to show up right on your site, and that's all built in with the new Squarespace Six. I want you to try out Squarespace for yourself using a two-week free trial that we have, um, and you can get that at squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. You get full access to the site for two weeks. Go try it out and see why um, someone as awesome as Mr. David Sparks would choose to use this for his website provider, um, and you'll see why he does, and you'll see why I choose them too, um, not only to run mikehurley.net, but also 70decibels.com, the, the, the website that our podcast network runs from is made from Squarespace. And I can also give you a 10% discount on your first purchase when you enter the offer code 70decibels9, that's 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-9 at checkout. It's nine as we're in the month for September now. You'll get 10% off, as I said, your first purchase um, with the fantastic people over at Squarespace. Everything you need to create an amazing website. I want to thank Squarespace for their continued support of Command Space and the 70 Decibels Podcast Network. Hey, you know, a lot of ways Squarespace feels to me like kind of the Apple of web hosting and servicing companies. Yeah, simple. You, know, you kind of you live in their walled garden, but it's really nice. Yeah, simple, elegant, easy, affordable, like, you know, value yeah. value for money, I think you get with them. Yeah. Because it's, it's not a dollar a month. I mean, it starts at $10 a month, which I still think is very cheap. I get a lot more than $10 a month out of them, if that makes sense. Uh, and my daughter, my 15-year-old, wants to start blogging. She's got this idea. And so I, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going to invest in you. I bought a year of Squarespace, just the, the $8 a month account. You know, if you prepay, you get 20% off. So for 8 times 12, whatever that is, <laughs> can you tell I'm not an accountant? But the, uh, so we got the website for her, and we got the domain name reserved. They did the yeah. domain name for us, and yeah. she's building a website now. So it's cool. Well, see, it's, um, let's say for the standard plan, for example, starts at $10 a month. Um, when you sign up for one year, you get it for the equivalent of $8. So yeah. there you go. So I want to talk a little bit about Mac Power Users. That's okay. The podcast that you create over at the glorious Five by Five Network. Um, I think we've spoken a bit before, sort of about what goes into creating the show and the work that you you and Katie put in, and some of the genesis of it. But I want to know, like recently, I think, well, I definitely know my favorite um, of of your episodes um, are the workflow episodes. 
that you have. So you'll get on some notable bloggers or other podcasters and such and talk through their workflows. Yeah. Um, Merlin's ones are always amazing um, and very, very, very long. What goes into choosing somebody for a workflow episode? That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm always looking for people who can bring something new and interesting to the readers. Um, you know, I, I think it's definitely biased towards people who do stuff that I really like. And um, I've been trying to fight that bias a little bit. But I think people who I really like, the readers are going to really like too, or the listeners. So that's part of it. But also part of it is saying, well, hey, we've never had anybody like that before. Let's let's do that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was really happy with the Fraser Spears episode. And, you know, it was about education. And that's something we hadn't really covered before. And I thought it was one of perhaps the best episodes we've ever produced. And uh, just recently, there was, um, we got a new, I just signed up a new guest yesterday who's a video producer. And he did this amazing video that got 8 million hits on YouTube. And he did it all with Max. And I can't wait to share that with the listeners. So all this stuff is, you know, partly my own interest or Katie's interest and partly a desire to bring something new to the audience. I think I can um, totally sympathize or at least appreciate, if that's the right word, the idea of if I like this person, I'm sure my audience will. That's kind of how I choose all of the guests for this show. Yeah. I just think if I want to talk to them, if I want to hear what these people have to say, surely the uh, my audience will too because... I am a fan of these people there. And if these people, you know, if our audience are a fan of what I do, I, I believe that they kind of go hand in hand, those two things. And I kind yeah. of use that as my judgment. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, we've been doing this a, a longer and you're going to find two in a year. They're going to say, well, you know, that's all great, but that sparks guy, you've had him on twice and I'm tired of listening to him drone on about, whatever you know self-righteous nonsense he's spewing that week and you're gonna say okay well let's find somebody that nobody's heard of before because one of the things i'm discovering always like we just did our hundredth show and we had listeners as our guests and we put the call out and said hey if you're listening to the show and you've got something interesting to share let us know well we got so many fascinating submittals we said okay we got it you know we ended up picking like like 15% of them or 10% of them for a show that ended up going two hours. And any one of those guests, I think we could have turned into an entire show. So there's also a lot of people out there that nobody's ever heard of that have a lot of really interesting things to share. And I'm, I'm trying to consciously make an effort to bring that into the show as well. But it's tough because I get these emails from people all the time that say, Hey, you should have me on as a guest. You don't know who I am, but I do this really great stuff. And, and they probably do this really great stuff. But, you know, we only have so many shows to produce and we got to make decisions, tough decisions. So that's always hard. It is tough. You know, you just reminded me of something that I need to, I, need, oh, I want to mention, take a quick break to mention. So um, next week, we're going to be recording this show, obviously, on the 12th of September, which is going to be the, uh, the iPhone announcement day. Um, uh, at, when WWDC was going on, um, I have another show that I record on the 70 Decibels Network called the 512 Podcast, which is with Stephen Hackett of 512 Pixels. Yeah. Um, and we did an episode of that show called the 512 Radio Show. 
And what we did was we got a bunch of people that were at WWEC to call in. So I think we had Sean Blanc call in. We had some other people like Joshua Schnell call in. And then we had some fans call in too and give their opinions um, on the episode. So not not on the episode. Not they didn't weren't giving us opinions on their episode on the keynote. So they were they were giving us their opinions on what Apple announced at the WWDC keynote. Well, we're going to do that again next week. So we're going to get a couple of people on. Um, we, we're inviting some of our friends in the the blogosphere to come on and give their opinions on on what Apple announced. Um, and we're also going to to get we want to get some of you involved as well. So it's very simple. All you need to do, if you want to be involved in Command Space Episode 8, where we're going to, me and Stephen Hackett are going to do the show together, and we're going to discuss the announcements of um, of what Apple talk about next week, so most likely the iPhone 5 or the next iPhone, whatever they call it. All you have to do is go to 70decibels.com forward slash contact, select Command Space from the drop-down, and just say you want to be involved. I will send you some information um, and then if you can agree to the information, like you can tell me you're going to be able to be in a quiet room, etc., etc., and available between such and such time, then we'll, we'll be able to contact some of you and say, all right, we're going to call you in at this time. Be ready. So I want to get people's opinions. And uh, we typically, we're going to split the show up into a few parts. So first will be mine and Stephen's analysis. Then we'll have our friends come on. And we're hoping to get... Sean back and a couple of others and then we want to get some of you involved too so we really enjoyed that last time so I uh, want to do it again so there you go so that's going to be next week's episode so just go to 70decibels.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us so I need to ask you I'm, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this do you have outlines like planned out for your shows like for the episodes before you do them yes they're, they're massive <laughs> I mean we spend a lot of time preparing our shows yeah i bet i bet you do a lot more than i do well particularly the content-based shows Mm -hmm. you know where we are going to be talking about a subject you know and uh we'll that's i mean we we spend a lot of time getting ready because the idea behind our show from the very get-go was not to be a news and rumor show but to deliver you know a high signal to noise ratio to our listeners yeah and and that's, I think, that we kind of have a trust with our listeners that we're not going to get in and waste a bunch of your time and we're going to go through stuff. And, you know, we've done 100 shows and we've covered a lot of things. And by and large, I think we've stuck with that. I think that the workflow shows are a little more loosey-goosey, you know, because it depends on what the the guest does. But even then, we really try to kind of keep braining the guest in to talk about specific workflows and the ways they get things done. I mean, this stuff is hard. People need help, and and that's I think the role we play. Yeah. Yeah. But but we do an omni outliner, and mm-hmm. um, which is you know that's got some problems because it's not really built as a collaboration tool. You know where we can both work on the outline at the same time. We've tried playing with like Google Docs as an alternative, but we keep coming back to omni outliner because it's just such a great outliner. And uh, Omni is getting their syncing service together, which is, should help on this. But to be honest with you, usually one of us takes the leading oar on any outline and does most of the work on it. And then the other one, you know, then you send an email. I'll send an email. Katie says, okay, the outline's up. And then she can goof with it. And then she'll bounce back. Another little cheat that I use is sometimes I'll put a text file in the folder with the outline. And 
I'll just use a label to make it red or green. And if I'm going to open it to edit, you know, like if two hours before the show is going to start, I'll put a text file in there that says, you know, busy and make the the text file red. And then if Katie goes in there, she'll see there's a red text file and she'll know that she can't get into it right now. Then you just got to flip the bit to green when you uh, put it back. <laughs> wow, that is hacky. But kind Isn't of it? awesome. But it, it works. <laughs> I mean, I... I will, I hope. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. You shouldn't say anything because you might know one way or another. But I pray for on the outliner for iPhone um, one day. I do a lot. I do a lot of the planning for, especially this show on my iPhone, um, just because I have a day job. Um, I can't unfortunately have my own computer for the day job at the moment. Um, so, and I kind of I do all of my. Um, planning for the shows in simple note and NV alt but i kind of i write them out in just in plain text format but like it's an outline you know i kind of outline it um and i played around with using um on the outliner for the ipad but i don't always have my ipad with me it's not it's not in my pocket all the time my pockets aren't that big um but it, and it really worked well i loved it so i hope that um i've heard rumblings that would suggest it may be coming one day and i really hope that the uh, the omni group can can make that happen. I've tried. Yeah, you know, I don't ask. I don't. I don't want to get. Yeah. I don't want to put them in the position. You know. So I, tried, I don't know what uh, they're up to. I tried an app. I don't know if you've ever tried it called Carbon Fin Outliner. Yeah, Car- Carbon Fin is great. It's another outlining app. They um, they also have one for the iPad, or it's Universal. I don't remember. Yeah, I think I might go back and try that out again because when I first used it, um, they didn't have syncing, but uh, it looks like they've relatively recently added Dropbox syncing, so I'm going to go back and try that out again, I think. Or if they've got an OPML export, then you can work it on your iPhone and just export it to OPML and open it in OmniFocus or OmniOutliner on your Mac or iPad. Yeah, I'd thought of that, but I, I knew that if I added steps like that, it would maybe make me just want to go back to SimpleNote. You know, I just wanted something that will work as easily as that you know just it will yeah. very simply it will just be ready for me when i open the app again I, I'm yeah, I get that finicky like that if something's not if i have to add more steps in than the previous solution then i just won't change yeah you know there's a lot of people it's very popular to make fun of icloud but there's a lot of things for which icloud is pretty awesome in my life because i don't do a lot of collaboration stuff and i love the simplicity of just opening an app and having whatever I was working on before just be there. Mm-hmm. And that's even easier than it is with Dropbox. And it's been pretty consistent for me, although I have not thrown nearly the amount of volume at it that I throw at Dropbox. So I'm sure that there's at some point that it would break. But I'm, you know, the, I understand there's some legitimate gripes, but in the same way, it has made my life easier. Yeah, I kind of, um, as soon as Byword got updated for iCloud, I tried it out, wrote like 400 words, um, opened opened the document on my iPad. I wrote them. I wrote them on my iPad. Opened it on my iPhone. It wasn't there. Went back to my iPad, and the document disappeared. I went back to Dropbox. Oh, really? So yeah. you did have a problem? Yeah, I had a problem. Um, and I've tried it out since, and it was okay. Like I just tested it, but I am now. As is with anyone that goes through things, once you get burnt by something like that, you're a lot more hesitant to give into it. Oh, absolutely. 
well, there's a competing cloud service for Dropbox. It was called uh, SugarSync. And, you know, there was a time when Dropbox was an up-and-comer and nobody had really heard of it. I think SugarSync might have been first to market. And they had some features that Dropbox didn't have. And and I was using them before I think Dropbox was even really out of its beta. And SugarSync was working great for me. And then I had one Scrivener file get corrupted in there. Just one. <laughs> and that was it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, that I never went back. And Scrivener, you know, those are package files. I can understand why the the system had trouble with it. I'm not even certain it was supported. But, you know, just as a user, I didn't want to trouble with it anymore. This actually um, leads into the next thing that I wanted to ask you. So I had another uh, Twitter question um, from a user. Oh, this is going to be difficult. Jussie Pekonen um, on Twitter asked, what GTD app? would you use if OmniFocus wasn't an option? I mean, that can be a sort of just a, a one-word answer. It could be none, but I have some other supplementary questions from that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I just don't know because I, I'd have to go and really seriously look at what else is out there. Yeah, I'm guessing it would probably be some kind of text-based system. I mean, if OmniFocus wasn't out there, I'd be in serious trouble. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it really would impact me getting things done. So I'm, I'm not sure what I'd do. I, I'd look of... at what's out there, I guess. I, I, there's nothing in there out there that is the least bit tempting to me. Uh, and I'm a fiddly guy. I mean, it's fun for me to go try different stuff out. But OmniFocus is such a big part of me just getting things done that I, I'm not, I have no interest in trying to replace it. I kind of expected that answer from you because you are an OmniFocus guy through and through, and I just can't imagine that you've probably spent too much time with any comp- like com- competing products because why would you need to? Well, I remember when the Mac was like a wasteland for task management. I mean, we had the reminders in iCal. And there was really no significant third-party applications out there. I mean, this is before the App Store where it was easy to get software developed and sold. Um, and then stuff started showing up. Uh, I think IGTD, you remember that one? Yeah. And there was that another was, one that began with a K or something. Um, oh, something um, GTD is going to drive me crazy. Kinkless. Now. Kinkless, that's it. Kinkless was basically built on top of Omni Outliner, which is really the genesis of OmniFocus. But so anyway, there was a couple different apps out there. And in fact, I think the IGTD guy eventually went off and he's working for one of the task management developers now. I'm not sure which one, but you know, so suddenly we had this stuff showing up and then the iPhone showed up and didn't have a task management application, but eventually the app store showed up and people started doing it. And now it feels to me like there's an abundance of riches. Um, And if there was, you know, if OmniFocus dropped off the face of the planet, I'd probably just start looking for a replacement. But I, I just don't think there'd be anything out there to replace it because of the way I use it. I mean, I, I really do follow a lot of the GTD canon. I do the reviews, and there's a lot of things that you get with OmniFocus that just I don't think I'd get anywhere else. And then they're so good at the synchronization. They've been doing it for a long time, and it just works. And Boy, I, I'd be sad. That's what I would do. If, if I think OmniFocus disappeared, I'd go, you know, get some booze to start with. <laughs> the uh, I've, I looked it up. The IGTD guy 
His name is, I think it's, um, well, I don't know what country he's from, but um, his name is, would be translated into Anglo's Bartholomew um, Bargiel. Um, It looks like he works for Cultured Code now, who make things. Okay, well, good. That was a good hire for them. Yeah, so they got they got a good guy. Um, things would probably be where you'd start, I think. I, I would look at it definitely. Um, and this is just me. I mean, I, I I think that it's a good application, but to me, it feels a little more whizzy than than I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I shouldn't say anything. I haven't I haven't really seriously looked at it in a long time. I know they sync now, so I probably they would do, look yeah. at it. Yeah, they they pretty much just enabled that yeah but you know they wanted to get it right more power yeah. to them um well, i heard it, i heard it's a very good sync though i mean a friend of mine who uses it says that it's it's rock solid yeah i think i think i heard sean say that too um, he was trying it out um what importance does a good app play for you in your workflow i'm going to assume quite high um i'm not sure i understand the question entirely so like you consider i will cons- assume for you that you consider OmniFocus to be a good app. So that is, you know, that is the app for you, which you think is, is excellent at what it does. It does exactly what you need. Therefore you consider it to be a good app. How important is OmniFocus to your workflow? You know, oh, yeah, as, as an yeah, idea, I'm, as an, ex, as a, as a um, example. Well, OmniFocus is probably the, um, the loaded question one. Like I said earlier, you know, in the morning I need to get through the OmniFocus to figure out how my day is going to go. There's no way I could track all these areas of responsibility in my life without having something to keep them in order for me. And that's what OmniFocus does. It's, it's essential. Um, so, you know, apps to me are good. I don't like to become overly reliant on a bunch of them. I, I'd much rather have a fewer number of apps that work good. I like to get apps that I can pay money for. Uh, because usually those are the ones that stick around and get additional development. Unless they're Sparrow, of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, you better. know, well, <laughs> yeah. I, and I never really got into Sparrow, so that, I guess that's okay. okay. But, the, um, but you know, there's. I don't want to get invested in an app and have it get pulled out from underneath me. I think a good example for me is Drafts. You know, Drafts is an app that that filled a hole that I didn't know existed, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so what I was doing before is because I do like to capture stuff on the road and I'd have a little page in Byword where I would just capture things and I'd type them or, or more often dictate them into my iPhone. Well, drafts really takes two or three, you know, button pushes out of that process. And it, it really makes it easy to send that stuff to email or do other things with it. So I didn't really know I needed that, but now, now that I have it, I can't imagine not using it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun to play with this stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, I got a list I got to get through every day, and I can't go crazy with this things. Like I, when I when I see on Twitter everybody talking about a new app, I will capture it and then go take a look at it. Usually, like you know, on the weekend, and if I find it has use, then I'll incorporate it. Awesome. Last thing before we go. Sure. Um. So as I mentioned earlier, we've got the. Uh, We've got the the Apple announcement coming up next week. Um, what are you What are you hoping for? Have you got anything that you're specifically hoping for? You know, it, it's kind of weird. It feels to me like um, Christmas is coming, but we've already snuck into the closet and poked in all the presents. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be shocked if the phone that gets announced isn't very similar, if not identical, to the one that's showing up everywhere with the taller screen and the different connector and, you know... I don't think there's going to be a lot of... I think this is going to be remarkable in the uh, fact that there's not going to be many surprises about the phone. And, you know, there's always software. Maybe they've got some tricks up their sleeve for the iOS 6 that we haven't seen yet. But uh, it seems to me like more than ever, we, it's kind of a given about what the phone's going to look like. Just as much as the year that, what was it, the uh, the website found the one in the bar. Yeah, when Gizmodo got the phone. Gizmodo, right? yeah. Um, it, it feels to me like there's not going to be that many surprises. And then, you know, you know, John Gruber and Jim Dalrymple have now, you know, basically confirmed that we're not going to see the mini iPad or iPad Junior or whatever it's going to be called for another month. So I feel like it's not going to be that surprising of a day. I mean, people in my life that are not nerds who don't even know that Max Sparky exists are coming up to me saying, oh, yeah, did you hear the new iPhone's taller? You know, it's like so given at this point. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe it's a big goof that Apple's playing on us, right? <laughs> They're going to show up with something completely different, which would be kind of awesome if that happened. But I don't think so. I think it's I think it's going to be unremarkable um, in terms of surprise. But, you know, Apple is an iterative company and looks to me like they're, you know, moving the ball forward. I hope. I'll be, yeah, I'll be getting one. I mean, I can't. Yeah, Every year I get one. Of course. I hope that's that it is a bigger screen now. Would you say a bigger screen? Yeah, I hope that there is one. Yeah, it looks to me like you're going to get your hope. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I really like the current size of the iPhone. I've never really understood this fascination with the you know larger size phone screens. You, your but, mind will be changed. I've been playing around a lot with a Samsung Galaxy S3, and that's like four point ridiculous inches. Like it's four point six or four point seven. And initially, you're like, oh, my God, I'm holding a shoebox. But the the experience of having more real estate is pretty awesome. So I guess the question, Mike, is are you going to be happy then with four? Because that's not going to be that large in comparison yeah. to some of these others out there. I mean, I just want it to be larger now. I mean, it doesn't bother me. It does. I don't, I don't think I want my iPhone to be that size. Um but if, uh, having another row of apps on the home screen, that sort of size, you know, that would be good. I would be happy with that. Yeah. You know, just that little bit more, a little bit more real estate, you know. So you, you're getting a couple more tweets on the screen and, you know, the, the keyboard in landscape's a little bit bigger. And I just think that it will be a nice sweet spot. Um, and there will be a, a lot of a lot of geeks that realize that the jokes that they've made about Android screens they might have to retract some of them. I I think it's going to be interesting if the phone that we get is the one that everybody's seen on the web. I think the thickness is going to be interesting because it looks to me like it's a lot thinner. Yeah. I, I mean, don't want a, that. a lot being, you know, because if you look at an iPhone 4 on the edge, you've got the metal band and then you've got the two pieces of glass, which are distinctly proud of the metal band. If you look at the... Um, the, the rumor sites, it looks to me like they've recessed the glass into the width of the band. Yeah, that's saying that's the, that the band hasn't got wider, though. That's true. But if you look at it, I, I'd have to look at it closer. You know, to be honest, I don't spend a lot of time on that stuff. I figure, you know, Apple's going to show us what they've got. 
And it's not like I'm going to say, oh, well, then I think I'll try an Android phone. <laughs> I mean, I'm invested in this stuff. I'm going to be continuing to use the Apple products and services. I mean, one of the reasons that makes Apple great is they cover the whole experience. So then people that you know want to get work done don't have to spend time figuring out how to scotch tape different you know products together. Exactly. Exactly. Mr. Sparks, where can people find you online? What is the best? What is a good place to start? And, and what sort of places do you like people to find you? Yeah, just go to maxsparky.com. And that'll get you there. Whatever you want to do, you'll find it there. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Same on the app net, on the alpha. You on app.net? Yes, I am. I'm Max Sparky on app.net. Although I haven't really got a, a workflow, I guess for lack of a better word, as to app.net yet. I mean, I go in there occasionally and yeah. say hi, but... I'm not like going in there routinely where I've got Twitter kind of running in the background. So. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I've been using it a little bit more since I got my first app. It was an app called Rhino. It was the first one um, approved into the into the App Store. Yeah, I just downloaded it myself. I haven't even booted it yet. That's just downloaded it uh, earlier today. That's not good for you. Yeah. You know, that's obviously that's not going so well. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to check it out. I think once there are some good apps and I can put it in my menu bar on my Mac and have it on my phone, I think it will be something that I probably start using. I, I, I'm impressed with the people on there, and it seems like, you know, Twitter, you know, I, I'm not really hung up on Twitter. I mean, I think, you know, it's a company, they're a big company, they want to become a really big company, so they're going to do crazy stuff. And all these pundits that talk about how they don't care about us nerds are absolutely right and you know that's that as we talk their uh, twitter's rolling out api version 1.1 yeah and they're cutting more stuff and or did they change it again um i've just seen steve strezer say that twitter is discontinuing rss feeds great great so i assume I mean, that's rss feeds of twitter um profiles i guess i guess well i don't know i'm not leaving twitter anytime soon you know but if they kill all the third-party apps i'm gonna be much less i'm gonna be much less active there (laughs) yeah i I can't get over that they're doing this and the twitter app for the mac is such a piece of junk because they don't care. They want you to go to the website. They, don't, they, they actually don't care. That app was created. Like, I don't know if you know the Genesis, but it was from a hack day, yeah. like a hacker day project, or whatever you call them, a hackathon, by Lauren Brichter. He's sort of thrown it together on one of Twitter's hack days and then released it. Yeah. And that was it. Well, I thought it was the Tweety code with some adjustments, but they started over. Yeah, but it was they. They were never. My understanding was they were never going to create it. Um, but he had the code base, so he just did what he did to throw it together and pushed it out. Yeah, but it was. It was never. I don't think it was when when Twitter bought Tweety, they didn't intend to to bring a Mac app from it. So there you go. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So um, next week, as I mentioned, um, we're going to have our special episode, which you can be a part of. Um, and 
So what you need to do is just, uh, as I said, go to our contact form and fill that out. Then the week after episode nine, we are hoping, well, I am hoping to be joined by Adam Lisagor, Mr. Lonely Sandwich. So that'll be another new guest. That's going to be, I think, a very different episode. Um, I'll obviously be talking to him about sandwich video. So what, you know, what goes into creating his videos and, and some of the choices that he makes there. I think that'll be a very interesting episode indeed. So, um, Mr. Max Barkey, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me on. It's really a pleasure, and congratulations with this new show, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you very much, sir, and I look forward to having you on again in the future, which of course will happen, because you are the busiest man on the planet. (laughs) Okay, take care, man. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.